time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Tuesday, December the 20th, and you are just days away from finally being able to decorate your home for Christmas, put up the Christmas lights, a Christmas tree could go up. I mean, just, just you're just days away from Christmas season, praise be to because surely you didn't, tell me you didn't decorate before Christmas started. Tell, pr- promise me you waited until, no, I'm teasing, of course, I know everybody's put their trees up already, good grief, I'm not that dumb, but nonetheless, guess what, we have a great show for you today, Father Gerald Murray is going to be on the program, we're going to be talking about the canon law that was at play with the uh, Father Frank Pavone case, uh, speaking of which, Father Frank Pavone's going to join us today, uh, how does he respond to his detractors, uh, has he ever been officially notified from the Vatican on this uh, topic. Uh, turns out so far, no. We're going to catch up with him about that. Hector Molina is going to be on the top of the next hour to join us to talk about getting ready for the uh, Christmas vigil and the gospel. We're going to get you ready for that. Hey, Chief Justice John Roberts has temporarily stayed the lower court's decision on Title 42. Didn't see that coming. I'm going to be honest with you. If, I, if you had to say, Joe, are you a betting man? What do you bet the chances of Chief Justice John Roberts staying that? I would have said probably zero, but nonetheless, that's where we're at. Praise be to God. I'm, don't tell Rudy I said this. I'm going to share something you can't share with Rudy. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to stop listening right now. You pl- plug your ears, Rudy. Okay. The Fortnite maker uh, from Epic Games no! has fined them five hundred and twenty million dollars. Oh no! Because they've been collecting data on children. Whatever shall I do? Oh no! Video games. I don't play that game, bad. by the way. Video games equal bad. Throw them out of your house. <laughs> hey, just two days after the Republican Party helped the Democrats redefine marriage, guess what? Uh, former President Donald Trump threw a big party with uh, homosexual Republicans at Mar-a-Lago. Mm. Good times, I guess. I don't know. That's terrible. Hey, uh, more internal files uh, have been revealed that the FBI not only had a deep and lasting relationship with Twitter, I mean, many of their former employees work for Twitter currently, actually, but they spent $3.4 million. They gave them, the FBI gave $3.4 million tax dollars to Twitter to compensate their executives for all the time and attention that they took from, uh, from that interaction. So that's good times. Oh, but uh, here's some breaking news. Elon apparently is going to uh, stay as the CEO of Twitter, even though the poll that he put out uh, voted him out. He said, apparently, the mail-in ballots have come in, and he's now able to stay, at least according to the Babylon Bee. Uh, you, are, you are less than 24 hours, uh, Rudy Carlos. I'm so excited. Uh, I have to clarify something from yesterday. Okay. Joe, it, it made it sound like I was leaving for good. <laughs> and I just want to clarify, that's exactly uh, what is happening. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just going on vacation, all right? Uh, You're not rid of me or yet. Or is he? Or, or is he? Or is he? Is, is mm. December the 20th opposite day? Who knows? <laughs> uh, I'll be back next week. Uh, that's, a good, that's a good time right there. By the way, uh, guess what? Guadalupe Radio Network is going to be rolling out their uh, 2023 car raffle. Uh, it's coming up. It's a Mercedes this year. It's uh, obviously not on camera because Adrian's not. But uh, it's a beautiful Mercedes. Uh, I wonder, is Clarissa allowed to 
to participate again this year? I think it would be hilarious if she, if she wanted again. <laughs> it's a beautiful, it's a 2023 Mercedes Benz CLA 250 in polar, polar white this year. Woo. So uh, get ready for your chance to possibly win a very cool, very cool Mercedes. But nonetheless, good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? Well, apparently not because my <laughs> mic just fell apart <laughs> in my hands. Like uh, it literally just like collapsed. Good times. And now I'm going to try times. to figure out how to put this back together. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going to be working on for the next couple minutes. <laughs> it's a good time. Praise be to God. Uh, guess what? Uh, we just discovered uh, we don't have. We're not going to be in on Friday. Wow. Nope. So uh, good. Good. That's a good thing. Praise God. We had Kendra Tierney booked for that sh- for that day, yeah. but we will reschedule her for. For another day. She's got a brand new television series on Formed. We want to talk to her about that. So stick around for that. But let's pray. Let's get started. We have a lot to get to today. Father Gerald Murray and Father Frank Pavone are on the program. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Tuesday, December the 20th. The month is just flying by. Here are your headlines this morning. The Epic Times reports judge approves $10 million settlement for healthcare workers fired over COVID-19 vaccine mandate. A U.S. judge approved a multi-million dollar settlement on December 19th for workers who were fired by an Illinois healthcare system for refusing to get a COVID-19 vaccine. As of December 12th, 493 class members had submitted claims for a piece of the settlement. Each worker who was fired stands to receive about $24,000, and uh, each worker who remained at the company stands to receive about $3,000. Ground News reports U.S. Supreme Court's Justice uh, Justice Roberts temporarily blocks end to pandemic-era border restrictions. Chief U.S. Supreme Court Justice John Roberts on Monday at the request of Republican officials in 19 states temporarily blocked the Biden administration from uh, ending the Title 42 pandemic-era policy of rapidly expelling migrants caught in the U.S. Me- U.S.-Mexico border. Breitbart reports the elites want inside your want to be inside your skull. Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates invest in brain chip company rivaling Musk's Neuralink. Microsoft founder Bill Gates and Amazon founder Jeff Bezos have both reportedly invested in Synchron, a new brain computer interface startup that aims to compete with companies like Elon Musk's Neuralink. Brain computer interfaces have the potential to interpret and stimulate brain uh, certain areas of your brain and are being explored as possible treatments for brain injuries, probably, and other things. And the Daily Wire reports Mike Lee introduces two bills to clamp down on internet pornography, praise be to God. The Shielding Children's Retinas from Egregious Exposure on the Net, otherwise known as the Screen Act, would direct the FCC to mandate that all pornographic websites adopt age verification technology to keep children from accessing porn online. The Interstate Obscenity Definition Act uh, would establish a nationwide definition of obscenity, reforming the Supreme Court's Miller test and enabling persecution of obscene prosecution rather of obscene content transmitted across states from different countries. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. 
The saint of the day is Saint Dominic of Silos, born in 1000 AD, born in Cañas de la Rijoa to a family of peasants. He worked as a shepherd before becoming a Benedictine monk at the monasteries of San Milan de la Cogala. He was ordained a priest and soon became master of novices and then prior before being driven out with two of his fellow monks by King Garcia Sanchez III of Navarre for opposing his intention to annex the monastery's land. Under the protection of King Ferdinand I of Lyon, one of my favorite saints, in, 14, in 1041, they found refuge in the town of Silos at the decaying abbey of St. Sebastian, occupied by only six monks. After his death, both the monastery and the town were renamed for him. Dominic was appointed at the ab- at, as the abbot of the community and inspired by the reforms of Cluny, proceeded to rebuild the monastery both spiritually and physically. He built the cloister in the Romanesque style and established a scriptorium, turning the monastery into a center of book design, scholarship, and significant charity made possible through the proceeds of the gold and silver workshop. Dominic became known for works of healing. The monastery became one of the centers of the Mozarabic liturgy and also preserved the Visigothic script of ancient Spain. Wealthy patrons endowed the monastery and Dominic raised funds to ransom Christians taken prisoner by the Moors. By the time of his death on the 20th of December 1073, the monastery numbered 40 monks. The mother of the better-known Saint Dominic of Guzman, the blessed Joan of Aza, is said to have prayed at his shrine before she was able to conceive the son she named for him. The son would grow up to found the Dominican order, and Dominic's special patronage thus became connected with pregnancy. And until the establishment of the Second Spanish Republic in 1931, his abatical crozier was used to bless the queens of Spain and was placed by their beds when they were in labor. St. Dominic of Silos, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Ghost will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her whole, in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done unto me according to thy word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, the Gibirah, the full of grace, who was, is, and always will be full of God's grace. Unlike you and me, we will never quite attain the fullness that Mary is enjoying as the Gibirah, the Queen Mother. Uh, Pseudo-Jerome said, uh, quoting from St. Thomas Aquinas' Golden Thread, And it is well said, full of grace, for to others grace comes in part, that means you and me, into Mary at once, the fullness of grace, wholly infused itself. She truly is full of grace, through whom has been poured forth upon every creature the abundant rain of the Holy Ghost. But already he was with the Virgin, who sent the angel to the Virgin. The Lord preceded his messenger, for he could not be confided by place who dwells in all places. Whence it follows, the Lord is with thee. Close quote, pseudo-Jerome from uh, from Thomas Aquinas, also from Thomas Aquinas, St. Photius the Great, as the Easterns say, says, quote, the evangelist ascribes her agitation not to the vision, but to the things told her, saying she was troubled at his words. I like to point this out all the time. Our Lady is not like the shepherds in the field. Our Lady is not like Zechariah. Our Lady is not like Daniel the prophet. Our Lady is not like John the evangelist in, uh, in the apocalypse. Unlike all of them, she is not troubled by, this, by the seeing of an angel. In fact, I, I suppose that she probably has seen angels before this being full of God's grace. She probably had, like St. Padre Pio and many of the other mystics and the saints of the church, had many mystical encounters along the way. But nonetheless, the uh, St. Photius goes on to say, Now observe both the modesty and wisdom of the Virgin, the soul, and at the same time the voice. When she heard the joyful words, she pondered them in her mind and neither openly resisted through unbelief nor forthwith lightly complied, avoiding equally the inconstancy of Eve and the insensibility of Zacharias. Close quote, St. Photius the great, the venerable Bede would say, quote, we must understand the sixth, mo- the sixth month to be March on the 25th day of which our Lord is reported to have been conceived and to have suffered also to have been born on the 25th day of December, close quote, the venerable Bede. St. Ambrose would say, but the Lord had rather that men should cast doubt upon his birth than upon his mother's purity. Ooh, I like that one the most, I think. St. Ambrose, pray for us. Don't go anywhere. Coming up after the break, Father Gerald Murray is going to be on the program from the Papal Posse. We're going to talk about canon law and Father Frank Ravone's case. All that and more is coming up next. Hope. The Catholic Encyclopedia has much to say about hope. Going online to newadvent.org, we see hope explained as the desire and expectation of future good. Each of us prays and looks to the situations and events of our lives with a desire and expectation that something good awaits us. We pray for the ultimate good, a close and intimate relationship with God. During Advent, we also look to the prophecy candle of hope. The prophet Isaiah foretold of the coming of Jesus. As Christians, we must stay firm in our expectation of goodness for our salvation lies in seeing goodness in people and focusing on our relationship with God. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is now. Like a guiding star in the night, hope is born as we turn our desires and expectations to God. This has been a bit of Catholic encouragement from Michael Gisandi. 
I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. We're talking about the, uh, it was, I guess it would say bombshell news over the weekend that uh, Father Frank Pavone had been laicized by the Vatican. And I read that article, or at least portion of the article yesterday uh, from CNA that was quoting Father Gerald Murray, and we have invited him onto the program to talk about the canon law in regards to this case. Good morning to you, Father Murray. Good morning. How are you? Praise be to God, I am alive, and that counts. How are you? Great. Doing just fine. Thank you. Uh, pastor of Holy Family Church up in New York City. Are you ready for uh, the very busy Christmas uh, octave? We are getting ready for all of the, uh, you know, beautiful celebration of our Lord's birth and then the feast of Mary, the mother of God, and then Epiphany. It's going to be a beautiful season ahead of us. Amen to that. Praise be to Jesus. Well, this was, uh, this was a big story. I mean, I think it continues to be a bombshell for so many Catholics around, uh, around the United States for sure, but around the world even. And as a canon lawyer, I was interested in your comments. Uh, as I said, I, I read part of that article from the Catholic News Agency yesterday. Can you just start by outlining the principles here? What canon laws were referenced in this case, and how do they apply to him in particular? Well, what we know about the case is because the nuncio to the United States, Archbishop Christophe Pierre, wrote a letter to the American bishops informing them that Father Pavone had been a return to the lay state or dismissed from the clerical state, which means he was uh, removed from the priesthood. Uh, we did not get a copy of the decree which affected that, but it was a reference that there was a, a what was called a supreme decision uh, issued uh, by the Holy See following an investigation and a process at the Congregation for Clergy. So that means that the Congregation for Clergy uh, looked into two charges that were cited, the only charges cited. One was blasphemous communication on the Internet, and the other was disobedience of his bishop. So those were the two charges. He was found guilty of those, and the penalty was removal from the clerical state. And that is uh, a question mark, because in canon law, those are offenses. Uh, we're not allowed to do those things. Uh, there are canons which regulate punishment to be issued for if you engage in those type of misconduct. But the punishments do not include removal from the clerical state or being thrown out of the priesthood. So that was a surprising thing. The penalty went beyond what was prescribed in canon law. So what are we to make of that, then? If these aren't the prescribed punishments, how do we read in? Like, should we read into that? I mean, it seems like that means somebody somewhere along the chain really elevated this to the maximum potential. Yes, it means that uh, either his local bishop requested at the Holy See uh, impose that penalty because local bishops do not have the, pen, uh, the power in canon law to remove 
on their own initiative, uh, one of their priests from the priesthood. They can't do that. They can't dismiss them. Uh, the Holy See can do that, and therefore they, that could have been the answer. It could have been that the Holy See uh, was consulted on the matter by the bishop, and the Holy See recommended that. Uh, we don't know. Um, and until the decree is issued, uh, we don't have the actual document which affected the removal. Now, the removal is is affected because the Holy See has um, have taken this step, communicating it to the person involved, meaning Father Frank Pavone. Uh, apparently, he claims that he did not get a co- did not learn of this action until a Catholic news agency called him last Saturday. Um, so that's a question mark. If, is that true, and why did that happen? Is that would that be? Normal. I mean, he's still stating, and we're going to ask him actually, but he's still stating that to this day he's not been officially informed. I mean, he knows obviously because it's in the media, and uh, and the CNA has sent him an email asking for his his uh, response. But he says neither the bishop in Amarillo nor anybody from the Vatican nor the papal nuncio have officially informed him of the case. If that is true, that's got to seem odd as well. Yes, well, that's it, it remains to be seen, uh, and that would be a good question to uh, ask the Holy See. Um, how was Father Pavone notified that he was no longer a priest, uh, that he had been returned to the uh, lay state? Uh, was a letter, physical letter, sent to an address uh, in that he had given, that the, let's say the Diocese of Amarillo uses to send mail to him? Uh, was the notification sent to the bishop, and then the bishop did not, you know, maybe tried to inform him, but didn't. Now, in the modern age, uh, with between telephones, emails, tweets, uh, e-message, you know, uh, instant messaging, it's pretty hard to say you couldn't track someone down, particularly a, a person of that uh, public status. So uh, we need to know if efforts were made. Now, the removal of the priest doesn't depend on him being notified of it. Uh, so if he didn't get notification, doesn't mean he it didn't take effect. Uh, but it does mean that he should, you know, if he wasn't in, informed of it in a timely manner, that there was an, an injustice done to him. Because certainly when you're involved in a legal canonical matter, and it's a decision regarding your whole life, you should be informed. Uh, you know, Father... There's a another one thing talking saying on the same topic. A number of reporters have contacted the Holy See Press and uh, other outlets to try to get a confirmation about this topic, whether or not he, they he received or was sent a letter letting him know. But the other thing that's interesting to me that I, I just cannot wrap my head around is the idea that he has no way to appeal and that he doesn't have a right to a defense. Uh, would this have happened beforehand, assuming that Father Pavone isn't lying? Uh, that mean he never got to defend himself. He didn't get to hire a canon lawyer and he does not get to hire one now that he's already been handed this. Does that mean it came from the Holy See himself or what What does this mean? Well, in the letter that, Cardinal, uh, that Archbishop Pierre sent to the American bishops, he stated that Father Can- uh, Pavone had ample opportunity to defend himself. So <laughs> it's up to Father Pavone to tell us when did this canonical process begin? When were you informed of the charges? What was your reaction? Did you participate in the process? Did you offer evidence, et cetera, et cetera? So that's, 
Uh, Father Pavone would be well advised to give a timeline and a, an accounting of what happened. Uh, but secondly, he, a canonical appeal means a decision of the Pope cannot be appealed to any uh, court or administrative body of the Holy See. There is available to him a, a direct petition to the Pope seeking a favor, which is the favor would be uh, res restoration to the priesthood. Uh, it's not an appeal, uh, canonically speaking, but it is asking a grace and a favor from the Pope. That's within the possibility of his actions. We're seeing a, a, a lot of division over this issue. <laughs> One more thing to be divided about, I guess. Uh, and there's a lot of heated conversations happening right now over this. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of Catholics, to include even myself, who are scandalized by what seems to be a disproportionate use of canon law, of, of these processes. Um, although we don't pretend to believe that Father Frank is, uh, you know, sinless. Uh, of course not. Like the rest of us, he, is, he has sinned and he's also apologized. But at the same time, have those sins risen to this level where he is removed from the priesthood, whereas we are seeing others in the clergy have committed incredibly grave crimes and yet somehow are protected? And I've read some articles on this, and, and some of these articles suggest that maybe we're just looking at this wrong, that there are different dicasteries, different groups of people involved, and we should just trust the system. But on the whole, there seems to be an injustice in their application. There seems to be a double standard. Do you, how do you see it, Father Murray? Yeah, I think the punishment is excessive if he is, in fact, guilty of blasphemy, which I'd have to see the specific incident that he's alleged to have engaged in. Uh, that's a serious matter. And if he did disobey his bishop, well, the, the remedy for that is for the bishop to suspend him uh, and then require of him to, you know, begin obedience. So and if he refuses to do that, well, you know, that's to, to throw someone out of the priesthood is really an extreme measure because you hope and pray that he'll change his mind. But, you know, the priesthood is a gift through the sacrament of holy orders uh, and it should only be used for the most serious crime. We have a crime uh, reported with this Father Rupnik, who is a Jesuit uh, sculptor, uh, who's accused of grave immorality with multiple victims being women religious who are under spiritual guidance. And uh, the Holy See uh, decided that because the crimes occurred in the late 1980s, they weren't going to prosecute because it was outside the statute of limitations. On the other hand, the Holy See has the power to waive the statute of limitations. They chose not to in this case, even though this grave, grave violation. I mean, Father Rupnik should be removed from the priesthood if these charges are actually proven in a canonical process, which I hope the Holy See would uh, take up again. If this is uh, an abuse of these processes, abuse of canon law itself, could we see a further abuse? Like, in other words, we're creating a trend here where we are just leveraging these uh, processes to take out one's uh, enemies, one's uh, opposition? Well, when you, you know, use the law harshly and excessively uh, to remove people from the priesthood or from their assignments, uh, it, it looks like you've taken personal umbrage about the activities of this person beyond what the law provides. I don't have to agree with everything Father Pavone says or does, but unless he's, you know, a serious threat and has, you know, done gravely unjust things, uh, to remove him from the priesthood, I believe, is unjust. 
would it be possible for uh, Father Pavone to go to the Vatican in hopes of getting an, uh, an opportunity to visit with His Holiness Pope Francis? Could it be possible that His Holiness might uh, you know, reverse this? I mean, he, he did lift the excommunication of Father Rupnik, which was scandalous to many. Is it possible this could be reversed? Yes, he can beg the Pope, you know, basically to put himself at the at the feet of the Pope and say, Holy Father, uh, I believe I've been mistreated here. Uh, I can explain the charges. Uh, I will not engage in similar behavior in the future, that kind of thing. Um, and the Pope could easily, if he wanted to, reverse it. Uh, he doesn't have the right to go to a court in the Holy See and say, I want my case to be reopened. That's that part of this of the process is over. Uh, Father, real quickly, we have less than a minute left, but a number of people have been asking uh, a clarifying question. What exactly does it mean to be laicized? Is he no longer a priest? Uh, what does that mean exactly? No, you are a priest forever. When you're ordained, you cannot unordain someone. You can't remove the priestly character uh, that was uh, imprinted on his soul when he was ordained. He has just not allowed the right to exercise uh, the priestly ministry. The only exception is in danger of death. Canon law provides that any priest, which would include a laicized priest, could absolve sinners in danger of death. So he has uh, he's been given this grave penalty, which is that he can no longer function as a priest with that one exception. Wow. All right. We appreciate your insight into this. Father Gerald Murray, God bless you. God love you. Thank you for your time today, and uh, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. All right. We're going to be right back. More breaking news and stories. Rudy Carlos and Father Frank Pavone is going to give us a response. And uh, where is he at with all of this? Was he notified? We're going to ask him. All that and more is coming up next. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. Since we are all children, we all associate Christmas with Christmas presents. G.K. Chesterton says that everything looks better when it's a gift. A gift is something we don't deserve. If we deserved it, it would not be a gift. And that's why the only possible response to a gift is gratitude. And that is why we hear in the Mass, as we will hear at Christ's Mass, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Everything we have is a gift. And that is why Chesterton says, thanks is the highest form of thought. That's why the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. The best kind of giving, says Chesterton, is thanksgiving. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. The Washington Examiner reports Virginia Tech soccer player who refused to kneel for BLM scores legal victory. After an Atlantic Coast Conference unity statement was recited over loudspeakers at Virginia Tech's 2020 season opener, 
Kirsten Henning remained standing while most of her teammates knelt on the field. Her coach voiced his anger at her during the halftime and then benched her until the end of the match, according to the lawsuit's claims. Alicia reports, Vatican apologizes to Russia after Pope's remarks. The Russian Foreign Ministry has received an apology from the Holy See after the Pope's remarks about the Buryats and Chechens. Pope Francis caused an uproar in Russia after he spoke about the cruelty of these ethnic minorities who are part of the Russian military in an interview with America Magazine that was published on November 28th. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy. Uh, why do you, you look a little too joyful, like as if that was your last newscast before vacation time or something. <laughs> oh, buddy, come on. I'm smiling because I don't... How do you pronounce Alishi? Alitia? Alatia? 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 That's a great I question. Always, uh, I always uh-huh. pronounce it differently. I pronounce it differently. <laughs> yeah. <my> hands, so. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. Surely that's what's causing that. All right. Well, anyway, praise be to God. Hey, joining us right now via telephone is Father Frank Pavone. Good morning to you, Father Frank. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Praise be to God. We're grateful for your time today. I, I'm, I know it's, uh, it's been hectic and busy for you the last few days. Uh, bombshell news. I mean, if for so many in the church, this was, this was a huge deal to, to receive on a Saturday of all days of the week to release such news uh, that you had been laicized. It's such a big deal. What was, I know you've responded quite a bit to this, and I've uh, followed a lot of this and watched your own commentary on your live video feed, but truly, what was your emotion when you first heard about this? What was going through your heart and your mind? Well, I was wondering what took them so long, uh, because, you know, we, <laughs> and that might sound strange, but we have been, everyone knows who follows us. We've been doing a tremendous uh, amount of work in the church for pro-life for 30 years. I've been heading priests for life for 30 years. We help the Vatican. We help the Holy Father's mission at the United Nations. We work with the Secretariat of State. We run the world's largest ministry for healing after abortion. We train the clergy. We inspire the laity. We network the pro-life organizations and so forth. Now, um, with all this, for the last 20 of those 30 years, we have had to battle against certain bishops, and I emphasize certain, only some, because we have a great deal of support. Even Pope Francis has personally encouraged me in my ministry, but some bishops lie about me want to block my work, obstruct it in various ways, including, unfortunately, the bishop in whose diocese I'm incarnated um, in Amarillo, Texas. So um, I've known for a long time that they've been trying to, some of them want to have seen me kick out of the priesthood. Why? Because they, they want to control what kind of pro-life message gets to the pro-life Catholics. That's the bottom line controversy and dispute and warfare that's going on here. Uh, they don't like, and I know this because, look, we've been doing this for 20 years. We've been battling, there's been meetings, there's been documents, there's been appeals to the Vatican. The Vatican has backed us up more than once against some of these various bishops, but they keep lying and they keep, you know, personnel is policy. They keep waiting for the right people to be in the right positions at the Vatican to get some kind of penalties launched against me. That's in a nutshell what's been going on. I'm a faithful Catholic. I'm not, I'm not 
going to go, you know, be a clerk, clergyman in some other denomination. Hmm. In fact, I'm going to appeal directly and personally to the Pope to reverse this decision. And if he closes the door in my face, I'll be standing right on the other side of that door knocking. Uh, if it has to be until the next Pope or whenever, uh, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm called to be a priest and to be a pro-life leader. And I'm not going to abandon either one of those things. Have you ever been officially notified of this de- decision? I have not received. Uh, I do not have in my possession. I have never seen uh, any kind of official notification directed to me. Uh, I've gotten no phone call, you know, from the nuncio or anybody else. Um, I was informed of this Saturday by the Catholic News Agency. Now, again, I don't want it to sound like, oh, I had no idea this was coming. We've been battling against this to prevent it from happening. But I asked the Catholic News Agency, why did you guys hear about this before I did? And I'm still waiting for an answer. So something something strange is, is going on. And yet at the, at the same time, you know, again, if you look at the history of what we've been dealing with the last 20 years, this has been the pattern, not the exception. I have been treated so disrespectfully. I, I Look, I respect authority in the church. And I urge everyone to respect authority in the church. But I do not respect abuse of authority. And I have been subject to abuse of authority. The record is clear. And this is just one uh, uh, small example uh, of what I've been enduring for the last two decades. Now, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to your detractors, because I've been reading a lot of journalism on this, looking at different opinions And I think it's a great opportunity for you to give some response here to some of them. A lot of your detractors would say, Father, this has nothing to do with the pro-life cause. This is all about obedience and how you should have obeyed the lawful authority of your bishop. Now, as you said a minute ago, this goes back a long time. I remember, was it 2011, 2012? You've been recalled. You were there. That was a big deal, too. That was in the headlines quite a bit as well. There was questions over finances. There was questions over religious order. And uh, they wanted you to step down. Why, Father, did you not just obey when the bishop asked you to? Father Pavone, what say you? Uh, I did. I did. See, see, these people don't know what they're talking about, and I'm especially disappointed in some of my brother priests who think they know this story better than I do. I happen to be the one who lived it. When the bishop called me back to Amarillo, I didn't go to Anchorage, and I didn't go (laughs) to uh, Austria. I went to Amarillo. And uh, uh, the vicar for clergy of Amarillo, and let me tell our listeners, too, and I so appreciate the opportunity to respond to this, uh, at frfrankpavone.com, that's a personal website I have, all of this is documented. I mean, it's the length of a book, but if people really want to, if some of these detractors really want to open their mouths first, they should open their eyes and read the documentation, because among that documentation at fatherfrankpavone.com, they will see a letter from the vicar for clergy of the Diocese of Amarillo, and he says in that letter, I complied with everything they asked me to do. Everything. Now, when people say obedience, I'll repeat, I believe in obedience. I don't believe in the abuse of authority. So when people say, oh, Father, you have to obey your bishop, Well, in what exactly? In other words, what orders, what specific instructions are they claiming I did not obey? Now, if a bishop tells me, uh, well, let me give you an example of the, again, of the abuse. Um, He restricts me in my work in 2011, as you properly recalled. Um, I went to Amarillo, 
And he had no plan for, for anything that would happen there. But putting, putting that aside, I appealed to the Vatican, and the Vatican backed me up. See, this is, again, what people forget. They said he acted inappropriately. He abused his authority. So they backed me up. And then they told him, give Father Frank generous permission to continue doing his work. I got a call from the bishop in the spring of 2012, and he said, you have my full permission to continue doing your work. One week later, he called me into his office, and he reversed himself completely. And he said, you can't do your work. You have to stay here because the Vatican told me I could not restore you to your pro-life work just yet. They want to do a visitation. Well, uh, he mentioned Archbishop Shelso Morga in the Congregation for Clergy. I flew to Rome. I sat down with Archbishop Morga, and I said, is it true that uh, my bishop cannot allow me now to do this pro-life work? And he said, no, that is not true. I told the bishop to be generous in giving you permission to do your work. I have all of this in writing. It's on fatherfrankpavone.com, and I want to turn around and ask my detractors, and especially those who are clergy, what in the world would you do? What does this mean? Is this authority, or is this an abuse of authority? Hmm. You also pointed out in your response a video um, that uh, there was a, an incident in 2017, a meeting in which you were called into with the bishop, and he uh, basically seemed to just want you out. Can you recall that yes, for us? Yes, he did. Well, well, again, and again, these people are talking about, oh, obey the orders of your bishop. So I'm in this meeting, and he says, I don't want you to do this pro-life work. Well, I said, well, bishop, I know that already. I said, do you want me to do any work in the diocese? You have an assignment for me? You want me to go to a parish? What do you want me to do? Is there any benefit for me being in the diocese? He said, no. Now, this meeting, by the way, was witnessed by several other clergy. And I said, okay, so let me get this straight. You don't want me to work outside the diocese, and you don't want me to work inside the diocese. You don't want me in the priesthood at all. You want me out of the priesthood, don't you? And he said in the meeting, no, 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 never, never. A few weeks later, I received a letter from him saying, I want you to request dismissal from the priesthood, and if you don't, I will ask the Vatican to, to dismiss you. Now, where's, the, where's the, the disobedience here? Is this me being disobedient, or is this an abuse of authority? We're speaking with Father Frank Pavone, and, but you have all of this documented and linked on your website? All of it. Absolutely everything. In fact, I'm going to put even more things up there. Original letters, communications, emails, the timeline, fatherfrankpavone.com. Hold that thought. Father Frank Pavone's our guest. We're talking about his case. All that and more is coming up next, so don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back, but do share us with a friend. Catholic Drive Time returns in just about a minute and a half from now. Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed at a church down the street. Praise be to God. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Father Frank Pavone is our guest. And uh, it is such a, it was such a bombshell. It really did divide so many. And it's clear that there, that division is real and present. And we're talking with Father Pavone about all of this. Uh, some are saying you're no longer a priest, but you know, we talked to Father Gerald Murray a minute ago, actually, about the canon law and all this. Once a priest, always a priest. Um, so that identity doesn't change, does it, Father? No, no, it doesn't. It's like baptism, you know, and confirmation. It, it puts, like the Church has always said, uh, an indelible mark on the soul. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful aspect of our teaching. Now, there, I read the article out of the Pillar, and they were saying, though, that if you continue to present yourself as a Catholic priest, that there could be further uh Further consequences to that. Are you at all concerned about that, and how are you dealing with that? Well, I guarantee you, right now, they will excommunicate me, whatever I do. It doesn't matter at this point what I do, and I say that because it has never mattered what I do. This has been, if you read that 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 full history, as I'm sure many of our listeners will, at FatherFrankPavone.com. What becomes apparent and what has so disappointed me about the, the, the church that I love is that this has been a one-sided narrative. They have had this narrative written from day one, they, they being those bishops who, for whatever reason, are opposed to the, to the pro-life work that, that, that we have done. Um, uh, and this is what they want to do. They will find reason upon reason uh, they won't excommunicate Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden, uh, or Father Martin or any of these other, uh, of these other people who are so misrepresenting our faith. Mm. But they'll, they'll excommunicate me eventually. Um, but the, but the thing is that what's sad here is, is there no recognition whatsoever that for the last 30 years, the lives that have been saved, the people that have been brought into the church, uh, Norma McCorby, the general of Roe v. Wade, I received her into the church. I ministered to Dr. Bernard Nathanson. I'm, I'm the one who brought Abby Johnson along in her journey of healing. Uh, countless priests have been inspired and equipped to preach a loving, compassionate pro-life message. I'm the pastoral director of Rachel's Vineyard. This is the largest ministry in the world for healing after abortion. What is it about all this work that our church authorities cannot acknowledge as good? Many of them do. Pope Francis himself has encouraged me in this work. But these, some of these articles and some of these commentators, you know, if I wanted a course in canon law, 
I would take a course in canon law. But this is bigger than that. This is the life of the church. This is supposed to be a communio. We are all brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, uh, equal by our baptism, and um, supposed to be encouraging one another to get a job done. Well, we got the job done in reversing Roe v. Wade, and, and, and many of the bishops thanked me for that behind the scenes. But does anyone want to acknowledge that maybe Priests for Life had a little bit of a role in making this happen? No, what they do instead is criticize me for having worked for the election of the president who gave us the three Supreme Court justices who gave us the reversal of Roe v. Wade. They just want to criticize and punish me for that. In fact, one of the reasons they're punishing me right now is precisely because I supported that man and continue to support that man. The church's freedom, it's not just on abortion, the church's freedom was increased uh, by the actions of that president. So I'm just, like I say, I love the church. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to get my priesthood reinstated. Uh, they can excommunicate me, and, and I'll, I'll be reinstated eventually. I just want to appeal to people one simple thing. Stay connected with us and stay involved in this work. People don't support my work because a bishop tells them to. They support it because it's getting the job done. And we'll continue to do it in a Catholic way with love for the church, and with love for everybody who um, uh, comes comes within our circles of influence. Amen, Father. I, I love that, being faithful to the Church and fighting for life. I think that's, that's so important. Uh, one thing that people have been saying is that, uh, or you even, I believe, uh, I'm trying to remember all the details off the top of my head, but you had said that the uh, the canonical process, or you have been aware that the situation was brewing for a long time at this point, yeah. and so was there a official canonical trial? Like, did you hire a canonical lawyer? How did, how did this, oh, did, did, have, did you ever defend yeah. yourself? Oh, thank you for, for, for mentioning this. I have a team of canon lawyers in the United States a team of canon lawyers in Rome, and they have been by my side guiding this whole process for 21 years. Wow. Um, and the documentation, again, at fatherfrankalone.com will, will show uh, uh, who these people are. It's no secret. Um, some of them are experts at, in working with the uh, Vatican, and, and the Vatican knows them all. Um, no, this has been all done under the careful guidance of my canonical uh, advisors and civil attorneys as well, because there's some civil issues that have come up in terms of calumny. And, 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 and I've respectfully told the bishops, you know, any communication that they start sending out about this situation, they, they need to tread carefully and with careful regard uh, both for the canonical and civil rights of the people that they might be talking about in these communications. So, yes, we, we've been, I mean, and, and we've used every, in fact, when we've used the mechanisms the church provides for, for proper canonical defense, people have complained about that too. So, uh, you know, they, they said, oh, you're being, you're being disobedient. Why? Well, because I'm using the appeal processes that canon law of the church itself provides. I mean, you can't win with these people. They're going to criticize every single thing that you try to do. Let me ask you a tough question. I think a lot of your detractors are still wanting to know. Father, if, in fact, the Bishop of Amarillo had given you an assignment, uh, we talked about that last segment, and I encourage people to go back and check that out, and that your response video where you, state, where you clearly state all this. Uh, if he had given you an assignment, would you have accepted it? I would have accepted the fact that he gave it to me. I would have asked then for a transfer out of the diocese. The reason being this. First of all, if you want to, somebody to obey you, 
you don't come down with a sledgehammer. You don't do irrational things. You accompany them. Pope Francis talks about accompaniment. You encourage them. You talk with them. You ultimately make the decision. But you don't make the decision as if the what the person's... The, a bishop is supposed to, in other words, be encouraging the vocation of the priest. I've never heard a single reason in all these years why, given my specific circumstances, where I am convinced of the call and have lived the call for three decades of being a full-time pro-life leader, um, why and how one could step away from that? What would I say in the pulpit? Hey, folks, um, welcome to our parish. Um, I'll be uh, taking, uh, you know, appointments for, for marriage preparation and baptisms. And, and, and by the way, abortion is wrong, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it's the killing of babies. Um, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, responding to that anymore as I was. I stepped away from a ministry that was saving lives all over the country and all over the world and helping to lead the pro-life movement. But, you know, that's not so important now anymore. I mean, I don't, I could not, I told them, and this is, this is how all of this started. The, the pattern has been simply, uh, simple and consistent that I'm trying to respond to a vocation. And I cannot in conscience ever justify walking away from it and not doing, you, you know, you cross a, you cross a line when, um, uh, and all of us do in our own way. Uh, when we realize what abortion is, we all have to do everything possible in our lives to focus on ending this Holocaust. It's a Holocaust. So that's, that would have been my approach. There would have been, in fact, I went through this already. Mm. You know, this started when Cardinal Egan of New York asked me to go to a parish. That's how all this began. The scenario you just described is exactly what happened. And it wasn't only me pleading with the Cardinal to help me live out a, a vocation of, of pro-life leadership to which Cardinal O'Connor before him had given me permission to do. It was outrage from the people. The people whom I was serving in the pro-life movement could not, they were scandalized. The bishop has to take account of their impact of his actions. They were scandalized that the church would stop doing the pro-life work. And they're scandalized today by this. I, I, I'd like to know if Archbishop Pierre is taking account of the scandal. Uh, he says it would be of interest to the faithful in that, that little statement he sent out. Interest? Excuse me. The word, the proper word is scandal. And um, I, I, I cannot fathom why they are not uh, uh, more aware of the impact of their actions. I agree, Father. You know, very well said. You know, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, priests who have media ministries out there that uh, you know they they're incarnated into a diocese, but they have this charism, this charism right. in, in 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 media ministry. And you have this this charism in the pro life movement. Right. And I'm right, you know right. you've done a lot right. of. And that's why. Re Go ahead, Father. And that's why religious orders exist, right? There's there's special charisms. Yes, exactly. But, uh, you know, I'm wondering what the future is. You've done a lot of good work for the pro-life movement. Uh, obviously, this is a, a major cross for you to carry. Uh, how does Priests for Life recover from this? What's, what are the next steps for you? Oh, we're, we're completely fine. My, my board, my staff, my pastoral team, they are behind me a thousand percent. Remember, much of the work we do doesn't require priestly um, orders. Uh, we, we teach. We inspire. We give priests the equipment they need in terms of, uh, you know, homily materials, counseling information. Most of our team are lay people. 
And uh, I will continue leading them in doing this work. We'll continue broadcasting and, and giving to the priests what they need. The priests tell me, and they're telling me, you know, in these days right now, Father, keep doing what you're doing. You're giving us the insights we need from the scriptures. My mission is not to go in and take their place in the pulpit. Then, then, I, then it would be a problem, right? Because if I'm not allowed to do that, mm. you know, I, I can't do that. But it, that, that's not what I do. I, I give, I raise the awareness. As a matter of fact, this whole a- action by the Vatican has raised the awareness even more. I mean, we yesterday, I, I and to now today, I'm starting with with you, and again, thank you. Uh, media all day long. I did media from 6:30 in the morning yesterday mm-hmm. till 11 o'clock at night, literally without stopping. I could hardly eat. <laughs> and um, but it's all been positive. That's the thing. And people have been saying to me, Father, you know, we're not going to stop doing this pro-life work along along with you and supporting you. I mean, leading a prayer vigil at an abortion facility, uh, inviting, spreading the word about healing after abortion. You don't have to be a priest in order to do that. And I have a whole team uh, that's that's the whole structure. I employ 50 people uh, at Priest for Life. And so all of us are intent on, on continuing this work. We want to we want to uh, look forward to seeing everyone who's coming to the March for Life, will be leading the National Prayer Service. It's an interdenominational service at Constitution Hall. Uh, we'll be praying at the Supreme Court on January 22nd, the 50th anniversary of the now-defunct Roe v. Wade. So our work continues. All right. Father Frank Pavone, God bless you, God love you. We'll be praying that your appeal to His Holiness Pope Francis will be successful and this gets reversed. Uh, Father Frank Pavone's website is frfrankpavone.com. That's frfrankpavone.com. Merry Christmas, Father. All right, praise be to God. That's going to do it for the first hour of our show. Thanks for joining us. If you can join us in the second hour, we have our game show, the after show, and so much more. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT for the details. Planning on shopping online this year for Christmas? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you do your Christmas shopping online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give some extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network during the holiday season. I had a personal experience that was life-changing for me. My husband of 21 years decided to leave um, our family, me and my girls, and um, in the midst of the absolute horrible heartache, I happened to be flipping through the radio one day on the AM channel because I didn't feel like listening to music, and I happened to find Catholic radio. And ever since then, I have been tuned in religiously, and I feel like I have a really, really strong pull to the Catholic faith. The Guadalupe Radio Network would like to thank those listeners who have supported Catholic Radio financially over the years so that we could be there when Terry needed us. If you would like to support your Catholic Radio station, please visit grnonline.com, and you can click on the Donate Now button. Again, we sincerely thank you for helping us to be there for Terry and everyone else that needs God's love. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, 
but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Howdy from Friendswood. I'm Leah Wynn from Mary Queen Catholic Church. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. So many people on both sides of the uh, of the conversation there regarding Father Frank Pavone's scenario and situation. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of moving parts too, you know. It's yeah. it's very easy to get married to one aspect of this and just kind of uh, dismiss everything all uh, outright, you know. Right. And, yeah. For sure. Difficult. Let's pray, just say yeah, at a minimum it's difficult, but I was encouraged to hear Father Frank say he is going to even though it doesn't have an appeal, one can always appeal to the Holy Father. Yeah. One can always, you know, throw the, as Father Murray said last hour uh, on our show, one could always throw themselves at the feet uh, uh, and ask for mercy from the Holy Father. You know, and who was I? Uh, hmm. Maybe, maybe it was George Weigel, possibly. I, think, I can't remember who I heard this story from. But there was, uh, I've heard stories in the past of priests who have been reinstated by, by the Pope directly. And it was, mm-hmm. it was like a great story. He, I think he shared about JP2 once doing that, finding a guy and who had given, who had given himself over to drugs and all kinds of debauchery and things like that. And it ruined his life and, the Pope uh, in, in, eventually reinstated him. So pretty cool. Uh, there's an opportunity there. Let's pray that that happens, you know. Uh, yeah, let's pray sure. he gets a better audience than Cardinal Zen got, for sure. Absolutely. You know, and and we have to uh, not forget at the, at, the, at the heart of this, too, is, you know, Father, Father's doing this because it's, it's this is pro-life work, right? I mean, there's babies at stake here. And so that's kind of where he's 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 coming from. It's important when we're we're having a discussion about very different opinions is to try and put yourself in the position of the other person. Where where is he coming from? He's been doing pro life work for so long. So yeah. you have to you have to remember it's for those 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 souls, those little the children that are being murdered still in, yeah. in the womb, despite the fact that uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned. Now it's easy to walk, you know. It's easy to have like a, you know, opinions about all of this. It's hard to walk a mile in someone's shoes. But nonetheless, I guess I would have preferred to have seen Father Pavone accept an assignment in the diocese and then pursue a transfer uh, out of the diocese. I ultimately think he ought to have gone religious years ago, and st- and to have avoided all of this personally. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of this, you know, it's hard to say because, you know, it's easy to talk about someone else's situation because, I mean, like, how many times am I in a situation and I think about, like, objectively, this is what I should have done. But, I mean, in the circumstance I was in, this is the decision I made. And Mm. so, you know, whoop-de-doo, I make we make mistakes. However, I think you're right, Joe, because as a Dawson priest, his vocation is – to his diocese and mm-hmm. to the obedience to his bishop as a religious order. Even if the bishop's would, not the greatest guy. Even if the bishop's not the greatest guy. Um, and the, and as a, in a religious order, you would have a little bit more freedom in the sense that 
you have a particular vocation, a particular charism, a particular mission. Now, obviously, there's still hierarchy involved in, in that kind of thing, but yeah. there is a wider breadth of freedom. You can't just order a Dominican to become a Franciscan. That's, it's, you're not allowed to do that. So mm-hmm. if he had his own religious order or was part of a religious order that was dedicated to life, they couldn't just be like, yeah, we're not going to have you do that anymore. We're not going to have you be pro, do pro-life ministry anymore. Like, you would, it would violate your vocation. But his vocation – objectively speaking, is to the priesthood, to the Dawson priesthood. I like that uh, Father Murray last hour also clarified, you know, it's not that he is no longer a priest. I think there's some distinction that needs to be made here, and I think Father Murray made that distinction. His faculties are removed. He's laicized. But once one is ordained into the priesthood, they always have uh, have that indelible mark, and so that they're, they're never, it's not like they're going to stop being a priest. They just can't function in public ministry. Right. Just like an excommunicated layperson is still a Christian in the sense that they are, have the indelible mark of baptism on their soul. So you can excommunicate someone, but they will retain the indelible mark of baptism on their soul. Yeah. So we continue to pray for uh, Father uh, Frank Pavone. As I said yesterday, clearly, uh, do I, I was I was. I cringed when I saw Father Pavone use that GD comment on Twitter. Like, Same. I thought that was I, – if, I, if, a, if a lay friend of mine used that, I'd be like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, smack him upside the like, head. Like, this is inappropriate language for, Catholic, uh, for Catholics to use. And uh, so I cringed when, when he did that. But Father Pavone said he, he repented of that, went to yeah. confession, made penance, and, and be, it was reconciled to God. And good, that's what needs to happen. As Father Murray also pointed out last hour um, – these crimes that were committed do not justify a, a lay a being right. laicized. Like even according to, to just strictly canon law, this is above and beyond all of that. So there is a question mark there. That's like giving someone the death penalty for stealing something. Right. It's like, it just, yeah, stealing yeah. is wrong. However, <laughs> yeah. the the punishment yeah. doesn't fit the crime. Doesn't fit the crime. He and he said Father Murray said uh, he should have been suspended first, and then there was a process he could have gone through. You know, ultimately to reconcile and to to find a resolution to all of this. But nonetheless, we continue to pray about uh, about the circumstances. We'll be posting these interviews. So if you missed the last hour, Father Gerald Murray and Father uh, Frank Pavone, well, you can check out our podcast feed. Uh, which, by the way, we are uh, we are on at the Apple iTunes Store. We're on. Spotify, Google Play. You can hang out with us right on our mobile app. If you just download the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app on your iOS and Android store, you can listen to the Catholic Drive Time podcast. It'll be available within an hour after we get off the air today. Uh, You'll be able to listen to that. Or you can go to our YouTube channel. It's there as well, Catholic Drive Time. It'll be posting just the conversation with Father Pavone. I'll be posting the uh, Father Gerald Murray uh, later on my channel. So there's lots of ways to get the content, but I encourage you uh, primarily to get the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app downloaded and installed today. If you just have to listen to us via Apple iTunes, uh, just realize that you are, according to uh, Canon Law number 77777, required to leave us a five-star review uh, on pain of excommunication. Oh, that's right. I remember, I remember that Canon. Yes. Yeah, 7777. <laughs> yes. S- seven. Seven. Anyway, two more uh, seven. don't don't fact check me. Just go with it. Uh, leave us a five star review, and uh, that would help us to reach a new audience. Praise be to God. But speaking of uh, five star reviews, our good friend Hector Molina is here from uh, St. Louis. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Hector. Good to be with you, Joe. Yeah, it's good to good to hear your voice. How are you, my friend? 
I am doing well. Excited for the upcoming Christmas season. Yeah, it's. Can you believe it's already here? Like, <laughs> we just started Christmas. We just December was just the other day, December first. Now all of a sudden, we're looking at Christmas. I'm like, I'm not ready for this. And uh, yeah, I, I hear you. The good news is, uh, come Friday, we can finally put up the Christmas tree and the decorations as good Catholics, Amen. right? I mean, you haven't Amen. you haven't done that yet, have you? You've not. None of us have. Okay, good. Praise be to God. Available until <laughs> then. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you're going to go over the, uh, the, the, the Christmas vigil uh, gospel for us today, are you not? Yeah, we have several choices, and so I have chosen the gospel for the Mass in the evening. I don't know about you, but as a family, we growing up, we always attended the Midnight Mass. Yeah! And, it was, <laughs> and there was always something just so incredibly special about that obviously because we typically don't go to mass on a weekly basis at midnight so that was something that was extraordinary and unusual but for me i just as i think about it just the beauty the pageantry the the mm-hmm. liturgy the you know just the darkness of the church the candles just all of it just really spoke to me growing up and it's always been something that uh that has impressed me. And so as I looked at the readings, I, I couldn't help but be drawn to the gospel for that particular mass, which is taken from Luke's account of the birth of Christ. And I know we don't have much time, so I'm just going to highlight a couple of those elements. And I'm talking about Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. And some of the details that that stand out for me is the fact that when you look at Jesus, you recognize that he was pre-announced in the Hebrew Scriptures, that there were countless prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah, and there were several concerning his birth. Obviously, we know that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, and we have the prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a young woman or a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, even the birthplace, Bethlehem, the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem was prophesied. Now, this may be an insignificant detail for some, but if you know your scripture, you know that it was prophesied in the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, but you... O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you who are little among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is of old from ancient days. And so the scriptures were giving the people of God indications as to the birth of the Messiah, that he would be born in Bethlehem. And what I find just so ironic, Joe, is the fact that Luke, who's very, very meticulous about the details that he furnishes in his gospel. The very first verse of our gospel says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus mm. that all the world should be enrolled. And this was a census that was being undertaken. And the church fathers just beautifully comment on this detail. It's not happenstance, it's not coincidence, but this is divine providence. Listen to Chrysostom. He writes, it was the Lord 
who directed Augustus to give this edict, that he might minister unto the coming of the only begotten. For it was this edict that brought Christ's mother into her country, as the prophets had foretold, namely, to Bethlehem of Judea, according to the word, to a city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Mm. Close quote. And I just love that because, again, this is divinely orchestrated. This has been pre-announced. These details have been furnished to us in the scriptures concerning the birth of the Christ, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, which is the city of David. And it had been prophesied, and we're going back to the Old Testament, Second Samuel chapter 7, regarding the kingdom of David, which will be an everlasting kingdom. Well, that kind of fell off the rails <laughs> after the death of Solomon, when the kingdom divided in two, and there was a, a, a great divorce, a split. Then you have the Assyrian conquest of the northern tribes, and then the Babylonian conquest of the southern tribes. The temple in Jerusalem is destroyed, and really it was game over for the Israelites, or so they thought. But there was this prophecy concerning the throne of David. And so the fact that God, in his omnipotence, that he would orchestrate divinely that the Caesar, who was considered by many to be a god on earth, that he would induce the Caesar to organize this census in order to induce Joseph to take his wife Mary and to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem in order that the king of kings, the true son of David, would be born in the birthplace of his ancient father, David, is just incredibly profound and fitting. Add to that the fact, and there's so many details here, the fact that the Jesus was wrapped in swaddling cloths, which may be like a superfluous detail to many, that he was laid in a manger. These details are very, very important. I'm going to connect the, both of those to the, the, the shepherds that came to adore Jesus, as is recounted in the gospel. The angel appeared to the shepherds and indicated to them that the Messiah had been born. And he gives them, the angel gives them this sign. And this will be, verse 12, a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, this is kind of perplexing. Well, why would the angels give this indication? Why is this sign significant to the shepherds? Very quickly, the shepherds were no ordinary shepherds. It's believed that these shepherds were Levitical shepherds, meaning that these shepherds were responsible for caring for and nursing and delivering, that is, in birth, sheep that would be used, lambs that would be used in the temple for sacrifice. Wow. This was their duty. And given the proximity of Bethlehem to Jerusalem, just a few miles, about six miles from the holy city of Jerusalem, it, it really fits that Levitical shepherds would be camped out and would be basically fulfilling their duty. And they had to be very vigilant because they had to be present to witness the birth of the firstborn lambs. These were the lambs that were to be set apart, because as you know, going through sacred scripture, this was significant. 
Well, they were indicated that Jesus... We are, I'm God sorry, Hector. We are out oh. of time. But uh, you can always check out Hector's uh, great insights over at his website, HectorMolina.com. HectorMolina.com. Hector, God bless you, my friend. Merry Christmas to you. Have a great Christmas uh, this weekend, and we'll see you next week. All right, don't go anywhere. After the break, fear and trembling, your chance to win prizes and maybe learn something. You want to be our contestant? Call right now, 877-757-9424. Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of, or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood, and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas. But uh, you need to call now if you want to be our contestant, play our game, possibly win some prizes. If you call right now, the phone lines are wide open. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. That phone number to play the game is 877-757-9424. Again, that phone number is 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play the game. But there are, like I say, a few things we do on the down low, on the QT. We just don't want anybody to know what we are up to. All right? So don't, do not share this online, at, like on Twitter, like right now. Don't hit the smash, the, sh- the share, or the thumbs up right now, because we don't want anybody to know what we're doing here. 
Uh, but number one, we do like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before about the Catholic faith. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh, a chuckle, a good time, and our callers are actually amazing, especially when they make that call. 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play the game at 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. But, as I say, there is a catch to all of this. There, we don't ask the caller the questions, so they don't need to know. They may not know any of the correct answers, but could still win our game. The reason why they don't need to know is because we don't ask them the questions. I'm going to ask Rudy, and I'm going to ask Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller, if they ever call at 877-757-9424, will have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer at that point will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? All right. You might be driving, but I want you to close your eyes. No. Don't. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't close your eyes. But if you're not driving, do mm-hmm. close your eyes. Mm-hmm. Just imagine yourself in a safe place. You're, you're in mass, mm. and you're hearing the greatest homily you've ever heard in your entire life. Oh, I thought you could say thinking, Chick-fil-A. Sorry. My oh, bad. No, you it's, said safe space. Okay. It's Sunday. Okay. Chick-fil-A is not open. Oh, okay. You're at mass. Got it. And you're hearing the greatest homily you've ever heard, and uh-huh. you, you say to yourself, I'm going to remember this is going to change my life. And then what happens? What? It, what you go home, what? and you forget. You what? start Sorry, thinking what? about Chick-fil-A. Oh, okay. You forget <laughs> that holy inspiration. Yeah. And then well, you're like, man, they're not even open today. <laughs> exactly. Well, this week, we're giving away another Every Sacred Sunday Mass Journal mm-hmm. so that you can mm-hmm. take the scriptures with you, okay. follow along in the journal, yeah. and be able to write down your holy inspirations I there. See. We're going to give that away on Friday. I won't be here for that. Yeah. How but, convenient, uh, isn't it? But uh, you guys convenient. will be. So. How, how will nope, we carry we on be. without you is the question. Oh, you'll get by. You'll and get I, by. Can I just point something out? Um, he's not been wearing ties in weeks today before he goes on vacation. <laughs> he's got a tie on. I found this tie mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in one of my pockets. I'm sure. Oh, yes. So, wow, I'm, I'm I like sure. that one. I forgot about that one. Sounds reasonable. I don't know. But let's go to the phones. Billy, <laughs> good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God, Billy. Uh, where are you calling from? Big Plano. Big Plano. Big Plano. Wow, that's a, that's a bold proclamation. Is Where's Plano, Plano big? <laughs> is it a big old good or a good old big How far away is it from small Plano? Yeah. These are all deep diving questions, Billy. Uh, where do you go to church? How about that? St. Elizabeth Seton. Oh, the Golden Dome. I have been there in 15 years or more. I don't know. It's been a long time, but praise be to God, Billy. We're glad you're on. Do you understand how this all works? Yes, sir. All right. Most importantly, though, you have not yet put up your Christmas tree, right? I mean, like good Catholics, Christmas hasn't started yet, so you're going to be decorating Friday, correct? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> Remember, sure. lying is a sin. Sure. All right, Billy. Let's have a laugh and a good time. We're going to start with Rudy first, which is uh, the last opportunity this week to start with Rudy. Uh, peace be upon him. But uh, Rudy, are you ready, sir? <laughs> I am ready. Are you sure? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you really sure? Uh, <clears throat> are I'm, you just looking forward to your vacation? I'm sure I want to want to get going here. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> well, let me ask you this then. What term 
refers to the most solemn and weighty form of a papal letter. Okay, the most solemn and weighty form. Mm -hmm. That is a papal bull. A papal bull. As opposed to a papal cow. I see. Which is the opposite. Or, okay. So, papal bull is weighty. Papal cow, not so weighty. Papal alpaca. Or calf. Could be like really lightweight. Got it. All right, I see. Uh, Adrian, uh, maybe you could help us. Uh, you understand weighty things. Are you calling me fat? No, of course <laughs> not. <laughs> wow. Anyway, could you tell me what term refers to the most solemn and weighty form of a papal letter? Well, first and foremost, mm-hmm. I would like to uh, express my sorrow for being called fat again. <laughs> what? I don't know what the you second, mean. The second Stop. thing I'd like to say is it, it's clearly... Uh-huh. What is officially referred to in English, the English translation, Mm -hmm. it's originally in Latin, of course, Uh is the airplane interview. Oh, I see. Yes. But there's a Latin, like the Latin is the formal? Yes. And this is the dynamic equivalent. It's a dynamic equivalent. Transliterated. Yeah. Transliterated. Uh, Originally, there wasn't such thing as airplanes, but Uh, we're we're trying to, you know, good news translation it. Airplanos est or something like that? Yes. it's more like you said, more dynamic equivalent. Okay, yeah. got it. All right, uh, Billy in Big Plano, you got options here. Adrian says the weightiest and most solemn form of a papal letter is the airplane interview, whereas Rudy says it's a papal bull. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who is wrong? Who's just roping you? Billy, what say you? <laughs> Thanks for making this easy for an old man. Rudy! <laughs> Well played, Billy. All right, you're in. It's papal bull is the correct answer as the weightiest and most solemn form of a papal bull. How many? When's the last time a bull was ever issued? Just curious. Oh, I have no idea. Is it like it's like an official language? Pius the fifth. Uh, Pius mm, definitely gave one, but I'm pretty mm, sure there's been mm. some more recent than that. I don't know. I don't know. Off the top it's been of my a long head. time. By the way, the McLean clan was uh, referenced in a papal bull in 1364. Fascinating fact. Now you can brag to your friends. All right, let's go to the second question. We're going to go to Adrian with this next one. Adrian, now I know that you are an expert in uh, confirmations, holy orders, baptisms, uh, because you, I guess you carry them out on Twitter. Oh. But nonetheless, let me ask you, what solemn act... Does the priest or bishop carry out during baptisms, confirmations, and holy orders? Ah, uh, yes. That would be called the holy slap. Oh, really? Where the, the bishop gives huh. you a little tap mm-hmm. on the face. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, mm-hmm. it's not really mm-hmm. done so often, and times pass. They would do a little tap. And even okay. further in the past, mm-hmm. they just slap him in the face. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like a good time. Uh, the holy slap, you say? Yes, sir. All right, uh, hey, uh, Rudy, uh, let me ask you here. What solemn act does the priest or bishop carry out during baptism, confirmation, and holy orders? That is what's known as the imposition of hands. Would a slap not be an imposition of a hand? Interesting. When you impose your hands. <laughs> Some call them hands. Mm-hmm. Other people call them fists. So laying the hands. Ha- the hands are ready to eat for everyone. Hand. All right. So your your answer is imposition of hands. Mm-hmm. Got it. All right. Billy, you got choices here. Is it imposition of hands, as Rudy suggests, or the holy slap, as Adrian thinks about often? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Billy, what say you? That's a lot of slapping. Rudy. <laughs> 
Uh, are we noticing? Are we noticing a trend here? Are we yeah, the holy slap is yeah. only for uh, confirmations. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's technically called. I the holy was deprived slap. of the holy slap. Oh I, yeah, I did not receive when I was received into the Holy Mother Church Easter Vigil. No one slapped 2000, you. Uh, no, no, it was nineteen ninety. I can slap we you can, after the show. I was going to say that was going to be 1999. We can rectify that. I I'll was impose not my hand on slapped. You. It's all been downhill from there. So let that sink in. Don't all worry, right, we can we're going to run out of time. Let's go back to Rudy on this next question. Rudy, in what country is the shrine of Our Lady of Queen, Quinch? Quinche. Quinche. That sounds like Peru. Quinche. You know, one of them. One of one of those Peru. areas there. Peru. Peru. Yeah. Peru. All right. Uh, Adrian, maybe you can help. Uh, in what country is the shrine of Our Lady of Quinche? Well, I'm an expert. I have a PhD in Our Lady, so that really? would actually be Ecuador. 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 All right. Uh, Billy, hopefully you're an expert on Our Lady, too, because in what country was the shrine of Our Lady of Quinche? Adrian says Ecuador. Rudy says Peru. 15 seconds on the clock for Billy. From uh, St. Anne's in uh, Plano, Texas, what say you? St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Oh, forgive me, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. You know, just because uh, Adrian hadn't got an answer, I'm going to go with Adrian. Just because... Billy's a master. Because Billy went with Adrian because he wanted Billy, to be younger, you wiser, smarter, amazing, more you, attractive. So masterful. You're like, if I have to admit Head he's right, hair. I must do so. Always things. Deference. Billy, I'm truly impressed. Uh, you are correct. Ecuador is the correct answer. Adrian was right. We hate to admit that, but nonetheless, it is true. Billy, God bless you. Thanks for playing our game today. By the way, Yesterday's caller needs to call back in. You hung up before we got your info, but Billy, you have a great day and Merry Christmas. We're going to put you on hold. Thank you. We'll see you guys in the after show. God bless you and God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. This morning's Mass is being offered for all of those listening on Guadalupe Radio Media and for all those joining us online. Behold a rose of Judah from tender branch has sprung from Jesse's lineage coming as men of old have sung it came a flower bright amid the cold of winter when half spent was the night. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, eternal majesty, whose ineffable word the Immaculate Virgin received through the message of an angel, and so became the dwelling place of divinity, filled with the light of the Holy Spirit, grant we pray that by her example we may in humility hold fast to your will. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. Let it be deep as the netherworld or high as the sky. But Ahaz answered, I will not ask. I will not tempt the Lord. Then Isaiah said, Listen, O house of David, is it not enough for you to weary men? Must you also weary my God? Therefore the Lord himself will give you this sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. The word of the Lord. Let the Lord enter. He is the King of glory. Let the Lord enter. He is the King of glory. The Lord's are the earth and its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. For he founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the rivers. Let the Lord enter. He is the King of glory. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He whose hands are sinless, whose heart is clean, who desires not what is vain. Let the Lord enter. He is the King of glory. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord, a reward from God his Savior. Such is the race that seeks for him, that seeks the face of the God of Jacob. Let the Lord enter. He is the King of glory. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. O key of David, opening the gates of God's eternal kingdom. 
Come and free the prisoners of darkness. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said, and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and as of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. In St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he makes a parallel between Jesus to Adam. And he refers to Jesus really as being the new Adam through whom life comes back into the world. The fathers of the church following that parallel of Paul between Jesus and Adam began to speak of Mary as being the new Eve and running parallels of the consequence upon our life from what came from Eve's decision and conversely what came out of Mary's decision. The first parallel they make is to say that as Eve was seduced by a fallen angel and led to flee away from God, Mary was evangelized or received good news from the angel Gabriel, the messenger of God, in order to totally receive God and to be pervaded by him. Through Eve's disobedience, the consequence of death came into the world. And conversely, through Mary's obedience, the author of life himself, Jesus Christ was conceived and a new life was given to the world. Further, as Eve saw that her no to God was the height of her freedom, thinking that in saying no to him she would then be able to do what she wanted, Mary realized that in giving her yes to God, in totally setting aside any plans which she may have had in order to totally give her life completely to God, that this was really the maximum of her freedom and the greatest blessing which would come from her life. 
My brothers and sisters, as we ponder these parallels between Eve and Mary, we are reminded that we live with a fallen human nature which has been redeemed in Jesus Christ, but the battle for us is a daily one where we too are constantly called to say yes to the word of God, where we are constantly called to set aside our own plans in order to live completely for God, and where we are constantly called to realize that it's only in giving a total yes of our lives and giving ourselves completely to him that we will experience maximum and fulfillment, maximum fulfillment and blessing in our own life and in those lives whom we touch. And so today, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward, let us ask God for the grace that we would follow after the pattern of Mary and not that of Eve, that we would always be ready to say yes to the Lord, to give our lives completely to him as Mary did, and to see ourselves as humble servants of the Lord, ready to receive and live his word in all occasions. Amen. We await with longing the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, dear brothers and sisters. Let us, with renewed devotion, beseech his mercy, that as he came into the world to bring the good news to the poor and heal the contrite of heart, so in our time also he may bring salvation to all in need. That Christ may visit his holy church and keep watch over her always. Let us pray to the Lord that under the protection of Christ our times may be peaceful. Let us pray to the Lord. That Christ may banish disease, drive out hunger, and ward off every affliction. Let us pray to the Lord. That as witnesses to Christ's love before all, we may abide in the truth. Let us pray to the Lord. For our family, friends, benefactors, for all those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. We pray in a special way in these days as we journey with Mary toward Bethlehem for all pregnant mothers and for the protection of the sanctity of human life at every phase. We pray to the Lord and that we would always be open to say yes to the Lord and to allow him to totally pervade our lives, we pray to the Lord. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Almighty, ever-living God, who brings salvation to all and desire that no one should perish, Hear the prayers of your people and grant that the course of our world may be directed by your peaceful rule and your church rejoice in tranquility and devotion through Christ our Lord.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. Look, O Lord, we pray upon the one sacrifice of your Son, that participating in this mystery, we may possess at last the gifts we have awaited, and for which our faith bids us hope, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your heart. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord, for all the oracles of the prophets foretold him. The Virgin Mary longed for him with love beyond all telling. John the Baptist sang of his coming and proclaimed his presence when he came. It is by this gift that already we rejoice at the mystery of his nativity so that he may find us watchful in prayer and exultant in his praise. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, 
so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to a second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servant Karen, whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that she, who was united with your Son in a death like his, may also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth he will raise up in the flesh those who have died, and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters too, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. For seeing you, our God, as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages and praise you without end 
through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuor nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion for those unable to receive. My Jesus, we believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. We love you above all things and desire to receive you into our soul. For those who cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, 
come at least spiritually into their heart. They embrace you as if you were already there and unite themselves wholly to you. Never permit us to be separated from you. The King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness fails me never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Where streams of living water flow, my ransomed soul he leadeth. And where the verdant pastures grow, with food celestial feedeth. And so through all the length of days thy goodness faileth never. Good shepherd may I sing thy praise within thy house forever. Let us pray. Grant divine protection, O Lord, to those you renew with this heavenly gift, that to those who delight in your mysteries, you may give the joy of true peace through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, O Israel. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. from St. Edward Youth Group.